0: All right, so this is the Vitaka Santana Sutta. The subtitle is The Relaxation of Thoughts, and it follows uh, Jhana study nicely, and it follows the Bhattakarata Sutta, where, uh, in general, uh, that sutta teaches that what we hold in mind will determine the quality of our life, uh, and it will also determine whether we're moving towards awakening or just simply continuing ignorance. And so the Vitaka Santana Sutta um, continues that ideal with with telling us and teaching us in very practical ways how to recognize what thoughts and thought constructs are to be abandoned and which are to be cultivated. And so it's a direct teaching on how to practice. Um, I wouldn't normally teach this at a class where there was a lot of beginners because without the context of knowing how to apply those teachings, this is really a useless sutta. But we understand it and... Uh, in particular, when we're going through something that we can't seem to extricate ourselves from, this is a good sutra to remind ourselves because it tells us exactly what to do when we're caught up in a feedback loop of our own thoughts. So, the Buddha was at Savati, Jita's Grove, and monastery. He addressed those assembled. When one is intent on developing heightened or refined mindfulness, refined is my word, There are five qualities of mind they should attend to. One, when one's thoughts are unskillful and arising from craving and delusion, they should be mindful of their unskillful thoughts in order to abandon those unskillful thoughts. Notice the Buddha didn't say we should be mindful of those unskillful thoughts and find out where they come from, who's to blame, what life did they originate in, what God do I need to attract. He just said, recognize them and abandon them. And you might think, what do we do if we can't?" The Buddha touches that. But it, and he continues, once unskillful thoughts have been abandoned, now that Dharma practitioner, they can now cultivate skillful thoughts guided by the Eightfold Path. So unless we are able to abandon and willing to abandon unskillful thoughts through the framework of the Eightfold Path, unless we are willing to do that, there will be no Dharma practice. But once we do that, the Buddha saying, "Guess what? You're engaged in Dhamma practice." The point of contact. You heard me say it often. There's a structured study coming up on wise restraint that we'll be doing not Thursday on the other uh, Tuesdays, and well, maybe we'll do it on a Thursday too. but We'll see. Um, the Buddha continues with un- unskillful thoughts abandoned. With unskillful thoughts abandoned, one's mind calms and concentration increases. Again, notice the Buddha is not saying when unskillful thoughts have been abandoned for 18 minutes or 18 days or 18 years or 18 lifetimes. He just said once they're abandoned, calm and concentration increases. He's allowing for the fact that in this moment, once I have increased my calm and my concentration by abandoning an unskillful thought, in the next moment I might be right back where I began. But what do I do? I don't judge myself harshly, and the Buddha is teaching us: Just take another breath. Two, if unskillful thoughts driven by craving and delusion arise again, and again, listen to these teachings from 2,600 years ago, the Buddha is accepting that not everyone is going to sit down in jhana meditation the first time and awaken, you know, eight minutes later or 80 days later. If unskillful thoughts driven by craving and delusion arise again during your dharma practice, One should be mindful of the suffering brought by these thoughts, recognizing, again, just putting the right quality on these thoughts. These thoughts are unskillful and will lead to more confusion, delusion, and stress. So rather than trying to resolve the situation that seems to be causing the stress, the Buddha teaches that it's already arisen, so if it's foolish to try to change something that's already here, recognize where it arose and abandon those thoughts being mindful of the drawbacks of unskillful thoughts these thoughts can now be abandoned we first have to recognize that it's my thoughts that are that are creating the distress in this moment it's not what's occurring or it might be also what's occurring but and my reaction to it but then that the non-reactive state will allow for calm and seeing that situation as one we might not put ourselves into might want not want to put ourselves into again For someone like me, that was the beginning of recovery from drug addiction and alcoholism, but it's also the beginning from any type of compulsive thinking. See the human race. You first have to own where you are. Once you do that, then you can do something about it. And the Buddha says you don't have to do a lot about it. Own it and let it go. Once we own it and decide to save it by analyzing it or picking it apart or ascribing Some other type of ownership, meaning blame, we're sticking ourselves to it. That's an aspect of clinging and maintaining. Being mindful of the drawbacks of unskillful thoughts, these thoughts can now be abandoned. With unskillful thoughts abandoned, one's mind calms and concentration increases. Three, if unskillful thoughts driven by craving and delusion continue to arise, while being mindful of the drawbacks of these thoughts, again, we're just describing persistent thoughts, one should pay no attention to these thoughts. Listen to this. And and again, I'm not, what I'm about to say is in no way putting down therapy. Therapy has saved million, countless people's lives. I'm just pointing out the difference. If unskillful thoughts driven by craving and illusion, continue to arise while being mindful of the drawbacks of these thoughts, one should pay no attention to these thoughts rather than rehashing them over and over and over and over again or looking for the root causes and... And those of you that have been through analysis will, will probably recognize the ever-changing pattern of ascribing root causes or blame, because it always changes. Our, our views of the past are changed as quick as our views of the future. Recognize, them as, recognize these thoughts as unskillful and abandon these. By mindfully withdrawing attention to unskillful thoughts, these thoughts are abandoned. We do it ourselves by mindfully withdrawing attention to these unskillful thoughts. Again, um, any type of, of addictive or compulsive thoughts is just what we're describing here. So again, we can all conjure up something we might be uh, compulsive about. And it could be anything. It, it's not necessarily the, the common vices, but it could be we're compulsive about recognizing cherry trees, and anything. We, could, we can become compulsive about those things. When we're compulsive about seeing three cherry trees a day and we only see two, instead of realizing this is a completely crappy day, recognizing it's the thought of craving for three cherry trees that's making me miserable, not the fact that there's only two cherry trees. Remember 99 and 1. By always looking at what's wrong with me and trying to fix what's wrong with me, self-loathing, we can never get to what's right. We can never get off the couch and live our lives because we're always focused on where does it come from and how do I get rid of it rather than recognizing right here and right now none of it is occurring unless I choose to bring it into this moment. Nothing occurs in this moment unless I bring it into this moment. So all that baggage, that really is the right word, that human beings including myself carry around thinking that their lives depend on dragging this crap around with them because it's their identity, it is the thing that's taking our lives from ourselves. It's that identity that, that lives in that big footlocker on our on our backs that weighs us down moment by moment by moment. And we can liberate ourselves in this moment by doing just what this the, the Buddha is teaching us. This simple practice of recognizing within ourselves what is unskillful and abandoning it. And then the next breath, when it comes up again, we don't take that personally. We recognize it as an unskillful thought or an unskillful thought construct. Take a breath and let it go. As soon as we get into analysis, and the analysis could even be the harsh judgment of myself that I need to do it. Because that still is is borderline analysis, still applying blame somewhere, this time on me. The person that least deserves the blame, by the way but it is the person that deserves the responsibility for changing it. 4. If unskillful thoughts, driven by craving and delusion, continue to arise while being mindful of the drawbacks of these thoughts, one should focus on relaxing the mental fabrications with regards to unskillful thoughts. Relaxing the thoughts, taking a breath, understanding it's a fabrication. And if you can recognize it as clinging to one of the aggregates, you can focus directly there. If you feel it in your body as a form, focus it. Oftentimes, in fact, it's probably the um, the most common form of stress is felt in the body, isn't it? And so put the focus there. Recognize it. Okay, my body is in pain. It's, it's distressed. It's agitated. It can't sleep. It can't quiet itself. It can't even eat because it's so upset. Well, why is the body so upset? Because the mind is telling it to be upset. The body is only responding to the input I'm putting into it. And when I say this moment, just making sure it's all old men, this moment sucks or my life sucks, what am I doing? I'm agitating myself. I, and in this moment, I'm telling myself that I can't live this life. I need it to be different. No matter what the stressor is, if my mind is reacting to it, it's because I want it to be different. And the Buddha teaches us that it's simply an unskillful thought that can be abandoned. It's not a construct of the world, meaning it's not a permanence of the world. Take a breath, move into the next moment. Number five. If unskillful thoughts driven by craving and delusion continue to arise, While being mindful of relaxing the mental fabrications, with regards to unskillful thoughts, one should now develop right intention in order to abandon unskillful thoughts with continued refined mindfulness. Notice the progression here. He took us to, to, um, if these thoughts are persistent, we address them in certain ways, right?, if I can focus on just relaxing this thought, this this persistent recurring thought, if I can relax my thought, come back to that again and again, and if that works, fine. If even that doesn't work, then generate right intention in this moment. And what is right intention? It's the intention to recognize craving for and clinging to all things arising from ignorance of four noble truths. If unc read it again, if unskillful thoughts driven by craving and delusion continue to arise While being mindful of relaxing the mental fabrications with regards to unskillful thoughts, one should develop right intention in order to abandon unskillful thoughts with continued refined mindfulness. So right intention is a function of continued refined mindfulness. With the intentional abandonment of unskillful thoughts, one mind's common concentration increases, the intentional abandonment. Again, notice, there's no analysis, there's no judgment, it's the intentional abandonment. Then the Buddha says, when a practitioner recognizes unskillful thoughts, understands unskillful thoughts, paying no mind to unskillful thoughts, attending to the relaxing of mental fabrications with regards to those thoughts, and using right mindfulness, or refined mindfulness, and right intention to steady their mind, settle their mind, unit, this unifies their mind, and it concentrates their mind right within by simply recognizing what is unskillful and abandoning it. And let me put the qualification on that here. Abandoning it as best we can in this moment, meaning that if we can't completely abandon the, whatever is vexing us in this moment, it's okay, take a breath, let it come up in the next moment without, without a battle. Accept it as who and what you are in this moment. Remember, we're learning the the difference between acceptance and approval. Because acceptance allows ownership of who and what I am in this moment without the need to approve a stressful moment. But of of course we can't. With refined mindfulness, we understand that the stressor is impermanent. With raw mindfulness, we take stress as a personal thing. The Buddha teaches that we join with our stress. We identify with our stress. Here the Buddha is saying, Disidentify, disjoin yourself from your stressors by directly abandoning the mental constructs that maintain them. And again, the Buddha teaches in many other suttas, he would say, if you could not do this, meaning if a human being could not do this, I would not teach it. If it wasn't possible for every human being to do just this, it wouldn't be part of the Dhamma. Then the Buddha says, One that can do this is a person with mastery of their thought sequences. One that can recognize the distressing thought patterns, the conditioned thinking, and abandon them has mastered their thought sequences. This person thinks what they want whenever they want and does not think what is unskillful. Just think about that for a minute. That every thought you have is an appropriate thought. That it's never unskillful and each and every one of you has experienced that it hasn't persisted for your entire lifetime yet i don't think but maybe but the point is to recognize it and that's an aspect of the dhamma it what it, it's what it feels like to depersonalize your own life because when i don't when i don't need to interject me into this moment then i can think what i want when i want to think it A little paradox there isn't it But what am I talking about? What is the I in this seeming paradox? The I is simply an awakened reference point to what's occurring. Another word for that would be a mature reference point to what's occurring in that person's life. That's the I that I'm talking about here. It's the I that the Buddha's talking about. This practitioner has severed craving and has brought an end to suffering and stress. I'm going to read this last... This is the last sentence in the sutta. This is a person with mastery of their thought sequences. This person thinks what they want whenever they want and does not think what is unskillful. This practitioner has severed craving and has brought an end to suffering and stress. It's the end of the sutra. Thank you for listening. So again, it's a simple and direct sutta. It just teaches us to recognize when we're distracted by our own stress, recognize the common stressors in our lives, and simply abandon it, with, without the need to analyze. Um, let's go to to, uh, to, to uh, Dominic first. Dominic, how are you?
1: Hey, um, yeah. As you said, it's a beautiful teaching, very simplistic, hard to do, but you know, not hard to understand. But uh, let's say. Tom mentioned playing tennis. Let's let's take tennis as a reference. Uh, so I used to love play tennis. You know, when I was younger, but you know, I never had any um, teachings or whatever. You know, I was self-taught. Uh, I wasn't bad, but I wasn't, you know, the best. I could never be the best because I lacked focus. But that doesn't matter. Uh, one year it happened that I got a teacher for five years uh, for five days, and he quite help me to improve my game and this is the problem that i have you know with with the dama because for example this teacher can show you okay so your wrist is not not in the right position you need to lean forward and you know step back and he he gives you direct instructions how to do it and you can feel the progress but with the dama <laughs> uh, it's not so easy at least for me uh you know i understand what buddha tries to say but when i try to put it in action it it doesn't give the results that i crave for and i know this is the wrong word uh craving but you know one does expect results and yeah. when they don't come uh yeah you get a little bit frustrated so Maybe that's my biggest problem with with his teachings because he doesn't doesn't really give you a, a technique. He just says, "Don't do it."
0: Oh no, no, that's not. I gotta. I don't, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's not what the other Buddha. I, I'm sorry that I've presented it that way because I've 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 missed something in the teaching. If you if you see that he just says do this because it really <laughs> no, is, to me it's time, just the opposite. Every time us, a bad thought occurs,
1: what should I do? Abandon it.
0: Well, but again, remember how I started this. This isn't a a standalone sutta. You have to understand the rest of it. So you've developed, again, this sutta assumes that you understand what the purpose of jhana meditation, you understand basically what the Eightfold Path is for. And so from that foundation, from a well-concentrated mind, in this moment, you can take a breath, recognize that you're caught up in something, and let it go in that moment. And I would say, Dominic, not to argue with you, that you've described doing just that to me many times, but again, I don't want to, I'm trying to argue with you, but there's, there's a direct path to what we're supposed to be doing here. It's not just, do, yeah, do absolutely. But for example, if I, I don't know,
1: if I go to a guru or whatever, he's going to give me a completely different technique. He's going to say, okay, you do that visualize that. And you know, he's going to give me a lot more instructions.
0: I know, but uh, that's because we're not doing we're not doing it. It's not a visualization practice. It's a practice yeah, for one thing. I know,
1: and maybe that's my problem because there are not not no not a direct technique. You know, it's, it's difficult to explain it. But maybe I need more. You know, someone to guide me all the way.
2: Well,
1: uh, so when this happens, do that. When that happens, do that. You know, and I don't seem to. Understand or grasp the, the the teachings.
0: Do you understand like that, that when you're, whether you're on your cushion or you're off your cushion, when you recognize that you're caught up in stress, you're taking something personal. That at that in that moment, you take a breath and you just put your focus on that breath. Your your in breath and your yeah. out breath. Do you understand that? So that's, I
1: do. I'm just saying
0: that's the practice but wait not, wait let me just finish that is yeah, the meditation okay. practice and it yeah. and if if that meditation practice isn't enough for you as a for what it's doing that then this practice probably isn't for you but jhana meditation is not taught for escape or anything else except to deepen concentration so you, your your meditation shouldn't be looked at as i had a and i'm not saying you do this but some people take meditation as a relief from a bad day, so and that's okay, but you're not using it for deepening concentration. So, in off our cushion, if we recognize that I'm caught up in my day and I've lost focus, remind ourselves to unite our mind and our body. That's using the technique that you learned on your cushion in your moment-by-moment life and then in that moment you're also applying the other principles of the eightfold path to what's occurring here so that is what we're to do and there's clear instructions on that that being said if if the meditation if the meditation practice is not the meditation practice you want the whole practice is likely not what you want because a, a, a a meditation practice that, that is more rooted in in uh, speculation and, and visualization is not going to develop concentration. So anything that takes you beyond that is not a concentration practice. But again, Don, I'm not trying to argue with it all. Just, there, but there is a direct teachings on exactly what to do. Well, and let the other other if the others want to comment on that too. That would be yeah. a good point of, con- of conversation here. Um, I can have a go. Well, um, well, uh, uh, Dominic, were you finished? Even though I interrupted you six times. Okay, thanks, Dominic. Tom,
3: I mean, I'll have a go I've, because I think, um, I think, I think the first thing is that your experiences are very, very common. Like everybody, I've gone through that so much because when you first discover the teachings they're so simple and they seem so obvious you have this brilliant breakthrough of like wow that's life changing and then of course when it comes to the actual practice the implementation it's very easy to get frustrated because you think it can be uh, you know done overnight and and so for me there's a paradox in in the in the transformation that you experience as a paradox in itself, in the sense that you can experience through abandoning a negative thought, let's imagine in that moment, you can experience the benefit of that. You can experience, and I, and I have this, I, all the time, I still have thoughts, which are probably very unwise, um, it happens all the time, and I still get caught up in a lot of them. But but nowadays, every now and then, I get caught in these thoughts, and I realize, and I, I, I have a little bit of concentration, more than I used to have, and I'm like, ah, oh, and I let it go. And in that second of letting it go, that is a victory, right? Because that's a yeah. victory I wouldn't have had previously. Yeah. So in that sense the transformation is immediate in the moment you're like wow my brain is a little acts a little bit differently to how it did you know i don't know a month ago a year ago 10 years ago right so in that sense the transformation is immediate but then if you start to analyze your practice too much and be like then then i think you can look at practice because change you have to like kind of chisel away at it uh, all of your all of your mental you know constructs your fabrications your habits of your mind you've built these over i i don't know how how old you are dominic maybe you're probably 25 let's say so He's younger your, than
0: that there you
3: go sorry sorry it's a bit rude of me uh, over over your 18 years uh, dominic uh, you've um, i'm 42 by the way Okay, okay. All right. I'm, not, I'm 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 not far I'm not far from that. So so we've spent our lives developing a mind, right, which has lived in ignorance for our entire lives. And so um it's it's not realistic, I don't think, to expect that your mind will immediately change overnight on a permanent basis. So you can still have those moments, so that's where the impact is immediate, but then you're still going to have your mind that's going to have all these habits. And so in that sense, the, your progress is both immediate, but also gradual. And that's where the key thing is to keep, keep going and don't try to stay encouraged because celebrate those minor victories because gradually those minor victories become those mini little moments of letting go are the moments to celebrate because gradually, if you stay at it, they will become more and more frequent and 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 then you'll gradually over time you'll notice wow, I am actually my mind is different to how it was a month ago or six months ago or or a year ago, and I noticed that like it's definitely different to how it was, but it's still there's still so many moments of and I've just tried to and I think that's where from bringing this back to the teaching today for me what's really what I like about it is that yes, there's one part of it which is abandon, abandon those 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 you know thoughts, which, again, I think there's a sense of like it needs to be more. It's like we well, it can't be that simple because life is so we have these complicated minds that analyze everything. So you think the beauty of the teachings is the simplicity because it it really is that simple, just to stop, just to, to let, but we're used to having so many complex theories as to how we think, stop things that we can't, we believe it can't be that simple. So, so anyway, so, so, you know, I, I I think, um, so what I liked about the teaching is that um, it says abandon, but then it says, if you really can't abandon, then have the right intention to abandon. And that for me is quite encouraging because you realize you're like, you know, I'm still not quite there yet, but, I've got a different intention to what I had before. And that intention is is in itself enough to be encouraging and to calm the mind a little bit. Even if those thoughts yeah. still end up arising, you're like, you know what? But I'm on a right I'm on the right path here and I'm trying to abandon it and gradually, yes. hopefully it will become easier to abandon. So sorry, I went on a little bit there, but
0: um was- I hope that was or, that was outstanding tom really i i, I could I, honestly i couldn't have said it better myself and i Dominic, would you agree with that last statement i just made really yeah, I, it was it yeah, was just absolutely. brilliant what tom just, said
1: yeah yeah exactly
0: yeah so, <laughs> thanks tom yeah so tom will be leading our sangha from now on i'm done that was once I get aced, once I get aced <laughs> not like that, I'm 18. done. That's,
3: that, 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 that's how I uh, start with
0: flattery. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it's not. Honestly, Tom, it's not. I'm, I'm joking around a little bit. That really was outstanding. You know, the, one of the reasons why we have this, uh, we have the breakthrough in the moment, and then the next moment we fall back into our old conditioned thinking is because we're literally moving in to an undiscovered reality for ourselves. You know, the, the, that that moment that is not rooted in ignorance is a fresh moment and it can often feel like a very raw moment, again, because we haven't been here before in our lives. So it takes a gradual process, as Tom described, simply just to get used to being an awakened, fully mature human being. And, and once we can do that and allow those little glimpses, as Tom put it, uh, as, long as, when, as long as we can continue to own those moments, then we can build on those moments really really well said tom dominic do you, anything you'd like to add to that
1: uh no not really just yeah it, it explained a lot so thanks for the i'm sorry for i'm sorry for stealing you know no, the no, no, th-
0: problems but. dominic this is what the song is about and you inspired a, a, a you know, at least a great response from tom so you know this is yeah, this is the purpose yeah. of sangha, so we never have to apologize it helps when for. someone to, has the same problem, and yeah, yeah, we all did. I did it. too, Dominic. Everybody that ever practiced the Dhamma has uh, authentically has had to go through just this. You know, it's just that way, and it, all the teachings point to this kind of process is wise restraint at the moment of contact, because that's that's where we practice the Dhamma. So, really, Tom, that was outstanding. Do you have any other comments or questions about today's class?
3: Uh, no um just yeah that, that the intention i think that was what was reassuring for me the intention to abandon yeah is is so important even if you can't always abandon as much as you'd like but anyway other than that yeah thank, thanks for teaching enjoyed the um enjoyed this uh this sutra.
0: yeah thank you yeah I mean, the right intention is really it's really the uh anti-clinging intention you know if we find out what we're clinging to and what we're using to maintain our fabricated identities of self and abandon them. That's, that's our intention. And so that intention is, um, it becomes obvious in moments when we're caught up in it. So in this moment, do I want to continue the stress I've created in my mind? If that's my intention, fine. I need to do nothing but have another diluted thought. But if it's my intention to awaken, to end those fabricated thoughts leading to stress, then there is something I can do. And what is it? and start developing the other factors of the Eightfold Path in this moment. So if in this moment what was arising might have been uh, due to an argument, what is right speech in this moment? And that's bringing the Dhamma into this moment. And if you can't, if in this moment you, you, you react poorly and you say something you shouldn't have said, what do you do? As a Dhamma practitioner, what do you do? First, got to go behind the woodshed and beat yourself with a two-by-four, then driving now, yeah. I'm just kidding. What we do as Dharma practitioners is, is own it. Yeah, I acted in a way that is unskillful. I don't want to do that anymore. I can do that through the Dharma. So. Dave, what do you think? What do you say for yourself today, if anything? And it's nice to see you. It's not just to see you if that's all you're giving us.
2: Yeah, uh, I wanted to uh, introduce myself well to everyone, but with Dominic. Um, uh, I had asked John uh, last week if he if uh, he would share your email because I, I wanted to uh, get in, in, in contact with you because um, there's a lot that you uh, that you said last week that I could relate to because I I also struggle I've struggled with uh, depression and um, and. Last, last week, I think it was Wednesday. Uh, I, I think, I, I think I was having like a side effect, uh, from a medication that I took and, uh, it was a bad, it was a very difficult day that I was having Wednesday. It was all of a sudden, uh, you know, I went from being normal to being very, very, very depressed. And it was, um, the, the, the experience of it is almost like being, uh, seized, you know, that's how I put it. It's like being seized by something, uh, being seized by, you know, like electricity. It's all of a sudden you got, you're being electrocuted. Uh, and, um, a lot of the, uh, on that day, it was hard for me to practice, uh, practice the Dhamma. It was hard for me to meditate, um, it was hard for me to see the, the, the point of it. I, I felt like it, it wasn't, it, like it, there was nothing about it that brought me any relief in that moment. And, um, but on Friday, a Friday, it, it passed completely. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the thoughts that I was having when I was depressed were thoughts of, um, you know, this is not working and, just losing confidence in, in, in my practice and um, how oh, John doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, it's just I a don't. complete... <laughs>
0: I never claimed to know what I was talking about. <laughs>
2: uh, well, there you go. No, but um, I, I was uh, I was gripped by those thoughts. I identified with those thoughts. And when the depression, when the depression passed on Friday, instead of holding on to those thoughts, uh, continuing to identify them as being my, you know, what I really feel, what I really think, I just let the depression pass and just considered what am I thinking now, now that the depression passed and I'm in a different state, you know, what. What, what's going on now in in my mind, and uh, it was that 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 ability to it, that was the benefit of my dharma practice without me realizing was my ability to just change to the next moment as the moment changed instead of holding on to the um, the, the the depressive thoughts that I that I was just identifying with, so. Uh, you know, I, I really understand. Um, I, I can really relate with what...
0: Um, I was going to tell you, Devlin, you got, you got a wild animal on your neck?
2: Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't know why I'm talking, so she thinks I'm talking to her.
0: That's how Bodhi is.
2: So, um... I, to- I, I, I totally understand... What you mean by this feeling of uh, you, you? You're you're hoping that the practice that this practice will get, will allow you to not experience that that uh, at least in my case that depression uh, the way that you usually do, and and uh, and then if that's what your hope if that's what your expectation is then you're going to be disappointed because that's not what it's for. For me, uh, the relief that I've gotten, that, that I've been able to find for my depression has been through medication. And then with my, you know, uh, being, my depression being managed with my medication allows me to continue, uh, my practice, uh, with the dhamma. if that makes any sense, you know? Um, so it's a component and it it's an important the, the dhamma practice is an important component in the mix but if you feel that um it's it, it, it doesn't fulfill a certain uh a certain role that you need in your in, mm-hmm. in your management of of your uh, your depression and whatnot it it might be true that it doesn't and because it might be that that there's something something else that you that you need in the mix uh, to help you through. Um, so I, I hope that makes sense. And, yeah. Uh, also,
0: that's a big I help, Dev. I, yeah, I, I
2: hope that uh, uh, we can continue. Uh, we can start chatting on by email because uh, he, he gave me your email. So um,
0: I hope that was okay, um, Dominic. Like, I usually ask before I do that, but I didn't in this case, and I don't. I, don't, I honestly don't know why I didn't even ask you first, but. But now you got him. Uh, I'm glad you did. Yeah. What's that?
1: Yeah, I said I'm glad you did it. So, yeah, uh, yeah Dev, thank you for that. I got quite emotional, you know. Um, no, I'm gonna shut up for now because I'm gonna cry.
0: <laughs> you can cry, Dhamma. but you know, understand this: nobody, nobody here, beginning with me, wants you to practice the Dhamma. Meaning, I we don't have any stake in it other than we are authentic human beings that care about you, and now we know you. Uh, you know, the, the, the mystics might say we see your soul, but we just see, the three of us, and I'll, I'll speak for two other people who know I probably shouldn't, we just see a good man who's trying to understand. And this is the way to understand one thing. You know, it's not, it's not the way to understand everything, it's the way to understand one thing. What, how I contribute to my own stress and suffering. And it takes a technique. It takes this, this jhana technique to concentrate my mind so I can do what Tom and Deb just talked about. And you did too in our earlier conversation at the point of contact. But it's not, a, it's not salvation. You know, in fact, it really is, you could also say it's the anti-salvation dhamma, because it's not about salvation from human life. It's about experiencing all of human life. And that's the thing that's different for everyone. So I, I, had the, I, had the, I was on medication for depression and anxiety in the past. I got off it many years ago. Uh, I don't know that Tom has, and it's, not, it's none of our business. Um, you two are, but the, the point I'm making is that I haven't taken medication, again, in I, maybe 30 years. And I'm practicing the Dhamma. Tom has his own situations, and he's practicing the Dhamma dev has his and he's practicing it everybody is different in that way but we all unite and come together and practice this one thing this is what helps us this is what we found uh we were you at a class on saturday was it saturday no uh for the upada sutta i was asking dominic too. i i'm talking to a, to a screen he said okay i might send you that just so you understand that but this is practice, Dominic, and it, it's not always easy, and it, sometimes it feels just like that, like, you know, that John doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. I, probably everyone I've ever taught has thought that about me at least once. And some of them, you know, they said, I proved they were right and they left. <laughs> and and some uh, I proved uh, right in a different way. You know, so it's just, it, it, there's nothing personal about this, Dominic, whether it's a teacher or a student. So, you know, we we just love you, and, and uh, uh, the way that this this particular class unfolded is a, an outstanding representation of a well informed and well focused sangha, because you won't have this anywhere else. You know, if you brought up what you brought up, you and you would have at least three other answers as to what to do, but you got one answer: practice the dhamma. It
1: yeah, you know, um, yeah, uh, I, I, don't take this the wrong way, John, you know, but today, uh, when you told me your answer or whatever, I just, I was ready to, you know, okay, that's not for me, you know, <laughs> I didn't get it. I'm not saying it was wrong or anything, but I just didn't get it, you know, but then first with Tom, and then especially with Def, you know, with someone who's also in medication, who knows... What it's like to be without medications, and you know it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got hope again. So hey. thank, thank you, really.
0: Yeah. Are you? And that is that's right. Speech. Every word you said was right. Speech. Really. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I take no, I, I take no offense. In fact, I take, I, I take a lot of gratitude of being really honestly. I'm completely sincere in saying this of being a part of your sangha. Because what I said today didn't work for you, but what other people in the sangha said did. That's a well-informed and well-focused sangha. So even when my my teaching sucks, there's two other people to, to take up the slack. Uh, <laughs> I am just kidding. I, I don't, uh, the Dhamma is just like that, you know. I, the Buddha gave you know tens of thousands of suttas, uh, more than just instead of just the five ones over and over again because it, it fit the situation that was in front of him. You know, he was, in some suttas, there might have been a thousand people in front of him, but he was speaking to one person, and everybody else benefited from that. You know, that's the nature of, of authentic dharma practice. So, All right, any, any other questions or comments before we finish? I just um,
2: wanted to ask, because, uh, you know, we're talking about abandonment, and you know Dominic that was one of the things he took issue with is the idea of abandonment and I think um, part of the way that I've related mistakenly in the past is with uh, escapism you know it's you it's like um, you're, you're gripped by, by by suffering from something and you want to escape it and it's you know the it, it sounds a lot like you want to abandon it and but obviously uh they're two different things you know and um i, I i'm wondering if maybe the uh the, the the crucial difference between the two is uh abandoning uh when you want to escape something it's holding on to you but when you abandon something you're letting it go and so you're the when we mean
0: abandoning, it's willful we it's we a willful our, act
2: right our 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 role and how we're connecting with with that experience uh we can let it go doesn't mean it's it, it won't let us go but it will eventually because everything's temporary, everything passes. But, you know, once it lets go, you're not there holding on to it, continuing the experience, that second arrow. Yep. And, uh, yeah, well,
0: yeah that, it
2: was. Yeah. Am I getting this right?
0: Basically? Yeah, I guess, well said. The, the, the difference between abandonment and escape is abandonment is something that is willful and escape is something that is hoped for. You know, it's speculative, it's magical thinking. Again, put yourself in the moment. What am I hoping to escape from? It's already here. The only thing we can do in this moment is prepare ourselves in this moment for the next moment through wise restraint. What I hold in mind is going to determine my next moment. And if I'm holding in mind something that only keeps reproducing stress in my mind, what can I expect? More stress. But if I interrupt it, again, just for a moment, I'm starting to incline my mind towards understanding towards awakening and away from magical thinking away from the need to escape it's, it's, it literally is the the the, the Dhamma right there at that point of contact so again well said and, uh, I... thank you we'll finish with meta as we always do so again take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath And let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body and interrupt any conditioned thinking. These are the Buddha's words on Metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. Peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none, through anger or ill will, wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being free from all sense-desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class today. Peace. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration preservation and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com Thank you. Peace.